0: Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 5, Episode 11. Mm. My name is Andy Balam, and this is Andy Cockerell. And uh, uh, listeners who've listened before will know... Why are you laughing at me already? I'm sorry. Just too many ums. (laughs) Too many ums. Okay. Uh, And um, 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 um. Uh, (laughs) Listeners who've listened before will know that season... Or at least to Season 5 before will know that Season 5... It's a very special season because it's a countdown of the 30 best horror films of the 20th century. Mm. And not only is, it, is that already exciting, but at this point, things are considerably more exciting because today we're doing number two. Number two. The second best horror film of the entire 20th century. 20th century, century. yes. Um, but before that, we are overjoyed to say we've received... A, some bits of feedback yeah so uh, not just like bits of feedback from a microphone like people actually writing in yeah by feedback we, we mean people saying <laughs> things to us yeah and uh, also we've got a bit of news to discuss so should we st- kick off with a bit of a bit of feedback yes let's do some feedback are you gonna do your feedback or shall i do you do your one feedback? you do the one you've got lined up okay so this is from kathy who kathy, says, she's commented before she has yeah she's a, a i think probably our most uh, Active commenter, in fact, and and Kathy has um, featured on the podcast. Yes, she has. Yes, she did. Yes, that's right. She uh, she came on the podcast to rubbish my opinion, which is always nice, highly effectively, (laughs) highly effectively. Because I still remember it was like a year ago. (laughs) Um, Anyway, she says, "Happy New Year, Happy New Year, Kathy." Um, Is this going to be passive-aggressive feedback? Uh, it might be. Feedback, yeah. feedback. <laughs> it might be. Uh, yes, happy she says, new year, Cathy. I'm, intri- I'm intrigued to hear how much you both love A Nightmare on Elm Street. Ellipsis. Never going to watch it! Exclamation <laughs> <laughs> mark. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. Uh, then she goes on to talk about a movie that she's contacted us about before. <laughs> Uh, I says, think at this point, she can be described as banging on about Scream. Banging on about it. And the thing is, this movie isn't even in the list. But anyway, regarding Scream, mm-hmm. uh, okay, it does, of course, depend on how much you categorise things. But and to me, it's categorizing? A, But to me, it's a totally different film from A Nightmare on Elm Street. As everyone's calling it. Uh, as A-No-E-S, yes. yes. A-Noise. A A-Noise. Because <laughs> <clears throat> I, Kathy draw a strong <laughs> distinction between natural and supernatural killers. I do as well, actually, I think. In um, terms of what? Does she mean, or what do you mean by it? Do you mean in terms of how scared you are about by them or something else? No, I think in terms of the look and feel and tone mm-hmm. of a movie. But so many leave it ambiguous, right? So how can you draw a distinction? Yeah, I think Jason in, um, in Friday the 13th is definitely ambiguous about whether uh-huh. he's supernatural or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, "I'm assuming it's closer to Texas Chainsaw in this regard." Uh, no, it's not, Texas Chain. And I, uh, okay, so I then replied, but I will I will paraphrase my reply. Oh, actually, you replied and said, "If you watch Scream, you can handle Nightmare." Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. But she does uh, say she draws a distinction between natural and supernatural. It may well be that supernatural is just too scary for her. I can understand. Maybe. Like some things are much more scary for me, like ghosts and dead bodies are very scary for me. Yeah. Okay. So I then replied and said, I personally think that Scream is way more bloody and disturbing than A Nightmare on Elm Street. I think mm. it is pretty bloody Scream, isn't it? And it's I pr- think... pretty full on. It comes from a time where the kind of... Um, girl who's a victim thing even if it's being all clever about it yeah Is a little bit it's a little bit too late for it to be yeah maybe yeah no I agree it was yeah. still a long time ago so maybe I'm being unfair But so I do say that the fantastical nature of Nightmare is what makes it so great yeah um, I mean essentially yeah. we like it when the tongue comes out of the phone <laughs> that's the only bit you ever talk about yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's I say that Texas Chainsaw so is most definitely rooted in the real world, albeit right, right. a sick, twisted real world. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. She also mentions yes. that she sent herself a link to the character encodings video. Yes. So we obviously didn't do an effective uh, job of explaining how boring <laughs> that video was going to well, be. Well, presumably she's watched it by now, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why you've had no feedback. Yeah, maybe the first two minutes of it. Yes. Uh, do you want to do your feedback? yeah so we got some feedback through mastodon um where, from dapper at Mastodon.social. social uh, he, he said a few things he, he said he said some stuff about walking dead um, he uh he says he says he thinks walking dead will stand the test of time unless it jumps the shark like lost well let's not even talk about lost um, he also says mm. we should pronounce it loud Laos, 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 not Laos. I don't remember talking about that. But no, nor do I. Mm-hmm. Um, but thanks anyway, Dapper. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a few little criticisms. That's what we're looking for, right? That's what we. Yes, said. yes, yes, definitely. Um, um, I, also, I there are there are mm-hmm. plenty of people who think that the Walking Dead has already jumped the shark. Yeah, it's, lots lots of people who say it ran out of ideas, and I don't think I've got far enough into it to find the bit where it ran out of ideas, but I can definitely believe it might because yeah. it is one idea that it's it's thrashing, it's just that it's an idea I really like. Yeah, I enjoy it too. I think that it threatened to jump the shark maybe last season. Right, so don't I've tell been... me too much because I can't remember what season I've got to. No, okay, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but I mm. will say that I'm on season seven at the moment, which is, right. I think, the last... Not the most recent one, it's the one before that. Oh, are there, are there eight? I thought there were only seven. Yeah, there's, there's another one. There's been an eighth. So I've heard that the ending is well worth sticking around for, and it's pretty dramatic. Which season are you on? Uh, no, I'm talking about the ending of season eight. Like the oh, okay. End, the, apparently, right. the yeah. end end is dramatic excellent i'd like an end end that's dramatic so that uh, yeah that that's made me excited what i've got is i got for christmas i got the box set of seasons one to six i think i've probably Ooh. already seen seasons one to four okay but i've started again i've watched the whole of season one which is i uh, just loved it and i watched all the extras to try and slow myself down so i don't watch it too quickly <laughs> yeah well that's that's the season that was overseen by frank darabont mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah. and i think that is the high, that is the high point Mm-hmm. Uh I think season two is weaker right I just uh, love it though i love yeah. I love the trauma they go through and they carry on and on and the the yeah. sense of grief that they live with and i think when um when David Morrissey's prison governor is introduced things really pick up right 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 he's yeah. he's really good but I just find the jeopardy constantly fun and and they're just so battered, yeah yeah. They carry on. Like, it's they like really real life. Battered, they? People, yeah. you know, people live through grief and they, they carry on despite it. And I I like that. Carry on, carry on. There's more As feedback nothing from... Nothing really matters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's more feedback from Dapper. Yes. Um, Dapper says, Memoirs of an Invisible Man was a much better book. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know there was a book. He okay. also says... Uh, and then there was some confusion between me and him because I didn't know what he was talking about, but I'm guessing now it was fairly <laughs> clear to see that he was talking about the film The Invisible Man, or possibly memoirs of... Memoirs Invisible Man. of Invisible Man, yes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, he also says uh, in schools they're often referring to search it up instead of Google it. Search it up? Mm-hmm. Is that... So they don't want to use the word Google? Because we often struggle <coughs> with saying you should Google things. You should, we should use we should use, yeah. We often say you should Google it using DuckDuckGo. Yes, I'll search it up. Okay, that's that's uh-huh. reasonable. I shall start using that at my workplace. That will mm-hmm. please everybody. What uh, what Dapper also says is, was there a Pixies quote? And he gives the time signature in an episode, and I just haven't bothered to look it up. So you know, I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, probably um, we're both big Pixies fans. Yes, we are. Um, yeah, I wonder what it could have been though. I don't remember referring to having a broken face. No. If there was a okay, so y- or you're being have a debaser. Ta- you're gonna have to um actually what's the time signature? What's the episode? Ep, then uh, listener sister can go back. Yeah, someone can tell us. We <laughs> <Yeah>. can't <laughs> be bothered. Someone tell us what the pictures quote was. Season five, episode ten, thirty seven minutes, forty one seconds. Get on it right. listener. No, there you go, listener. Uh, you can do what I can't be bothered to do, which is go and listen to it and see. We don't so, have a producer to do that kind of thing. No, exactly. So no. W- what's happened here is that Dapper has gone, listened to our um, episode and made comments through it um, in a sort of interactive way. Okay. And I got chatting with Dapra um, about the possibility of... Uh, trying to live broadcast this podcast so that that would be more of an interactive experience. Mm. So we have no idea whether, A, we can get it to work technically, although I've found a few things that look like we could make it work. B, whether anyone would want to participate. Dapra says he'd be interested. So what we might do, if we get it all up and running, is um, we might try and broadcast live and have a little chat room for people to talk in. Um, If we do, check us on... um, Twitter and Mastodon will give details on there um, if we get round to it. If we do get round to it, the f- uh, we'll try and get it, make it happen in two weeks from today's, the day of recording today. So that would be the 28th of January, 2019. Will it be that one though? Because sometimes there are Mondays when you're not available. That is a Monday when I am available. So if you're mm. available, yes. we could try and do it then. Cool. Yes. Okay, so um, we might do a live broadcast on the 28th of January 2019 at about twenty hundred UTC. So for people in the UK, that would be 8pm or possibly more like half past, depending how old <coughs> we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we might do that. If we are going to do that, you will see it on Twitter or Mastodon if you're following us on there. Um, most likely, it'll be our usual website address, goodrobotandies.com. No, artificialworlds.net slash goodrobotandies slash live if I could make that happen but I anyway we, we, we on- could also um, <clears throat> we could do a mini pod before the main pod just mm-hmm. to, to, to remind people when it's on oh wow that would be highly technical wouldn't it just a quick yeah. recording to say hi it's the goodrobotandies just a reminder that the next episode is going to be an interactive one and it's going out on this blah 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 blah. that would be really clever because then people who only consume our podcast through their podcatcher yeah. would know so yeah. anyway that might happen mm. obviously most of the people listening to this after we've become famous are <laughs> listening to it well after <laughs> 2019 but anyway for those of you who are around in late January 2019 on a Monday evening UK time uh, consider tuning in and there'll be a little chat room for you to write your comments which we will try to ignore <laughs> As far as possible. <laughs> or will we uh, Will we try and address them? Well, yeah. We might make the mistake of trying to address them and therefore do an even worse podcast well, than usual. Because actually, the next episode is going to be the number one movie. Oh, yeah, so that would be an ideal. Yeah, okay. People are going to be so excited about what's number one, they're going to tune in live. Exactly. That's what's even going though, to happen. Even though looking at the top 30, it's probably blatantly obvious <laughs> what it's going to be. I'm a little <laughs> bit nervous about what okay. you're... Okay, uh, shall I do my little my final bit of um yeah let's do a bit of movie news A bit of movie news, some sad movie news is that um, uh, movie director and actress Penny Marshall uh, died in December last year actually uh, December the 17th. Um, she was most famous um, during the 70s for playing Laverne in the television American television sitcom Laverne and Shirley which was very briefly homaged in the movie Wayne's World. When, so I've, um, I've definitely heard of Laverne and Shirley but, I, Shirley, but I don't think I know anything about it. I've heard of it as well. I don't think I've ever seen a single episode. But, uh, but Wayne and Garth very briefly homaged the opening titles of Laverne and Shirley when they're heading to Milwaukee to go and see Alice Cooper. <laughs> yeah, I kind of remember that bit. Um, but uh, I know her mainly for being a movie director, mm-hmm. and she made the movies uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash with um, Whoopi Goldberg, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but her next movie in 1988 was a movie that listener may have seen. It's quite a popular movie. It's an early Tom Hanks uh, movie called Big. Yeah, I, I loved that when it came out. It's so, so good. I mean, it really does hold up to this day. Mm. Um, it was one of, I think, three body swap, although it's not a body mm. swap movie, but it's one of three movies around the same time yeah. in which someone who is young becomes old and then someone who is old becomes young. But this is a, a story of a, <clears throat> a sort of pre kid who is sort of frustrated wants to grow up he goes to the boardwalk near New York I think it might, might be Coney Island
1: mm-hmm.
0: he goes up to a um, like a, a carnival type machine what are they called? it's like that chess playing thing but not right it's Zoltar I think it's called Zoltar Speaks yeah 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 and it's supposed to be like a fortune telling yeah place. yeah and he puts money in it and he says I wish I was big and then he wakes up and he is big uh, yeah, and I remember the. Yeah, Zoltar's really scary. Yeah, quite spooky. Yeah. The thing about it that I really strongly remember is that he goes to work as a software developer. I'm pretty sure this is this film. Yes, he does. And, why not? He, and, and he, yeah. he fixes all the code on the first day, and all the other software developers are like, What are yes. you doing? It's supposed to take three months. That's <laughs> right, he does do that. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah, he's like, Slow down, you're making us all look bad. <laughs> yeah, so he goes to work for a toy company. Um, yes Yeah. That's well not a toy a toy store that's loosely based on FAO Schwartz which doesn't exist anymore uh-huh. in New York that was a massive toy store like three or four stories tall toy, toy shop um and because he has this kind of he is a child in a man's body he gets picked up for the sort of R&D department for toys and becomes very successful quite quickly um it's an incredibly affecting movie in terms of the fact that Tom Hanks's performance is really good. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, it is a difficult thing to do, and the it has way he this, moves is very good. Yeah, it's really effective. Yeah, he he moves like a gawky kid yeah. in a man's body. Yeah, um, uh, and it's it's got a lot to say about the way that adults go about their daily business. Uh, and the fact that if you could just slow down and look around and have a bit of fun, you might actually enjoy life a little bit more. Um, it's, I think it's one of my favourite movies. It's certainly one of my favourite Tom Hanks performances. Um, and Penny Marshall directs it really well. You know, it's, um, it's a great movie. And then later on, she made Awakenings with uh, oh, Robin Williams and yeah. Robert good. De Niro, which is a good movie. Yeah. Um, It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture, and a movie called *A League of Their Own* from nineteen ninety-two, which is all about women's baseball during the Second World War. I didn't. I knew it was about baseball. I had no idea it was either about women's baseball or during the Second World War. Yeah, there is a because there was, you know, a lot of men were off fighting, who would normally be playing baseball. That a women's league was set up, and um, so again, Tom Hanks features in that. Gina Davis, Madonna. Um, that is not as good as big, but it does feature one of my favorite lines from any movie in which Tom Hanks is giving one of his team, this, this, uh, one of the women on the team quite a hard time and her lip starts to quiver and, uh, you know, a tear kind of drips out of her eye and he says, there's no crying in baseball. Stop crying. (laughs) Which I always thought was very funny. Um, so yeah a huge loss I think I think you know she hasn't she didn't make much um, beyond 2005 although did make some TV but I think what she did make during the 80s and 90s was was really quite something particularly at that time when there weren't that many female directors around yeah Yeah. Um, she is oh no she's not I was going to say she survived by her brother, Gary Marshall, but he died in 2016. Um, so he made Pretty Woman, which, hmm. you know, you either you either think is a good movie or you think is a load of exploitive trash. Or both. Or both. Yeah, it might actually be both, yeah. Uh, and also made Beaches, which is um, quite schmaltzy. Hmm, never heard of it so there you go that's Penny Marshall that's, that's my movie news sad movie news hmm. yeah uh, shall we do a rundown of the top 30 oh yeah 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 I forgot that okay I'm not at all prepared so you're gonna get it you're gonna get it raw okay it's raw everyone uh, at like number 30 it, like it isn't normally <laughs> number 30 it's Gremlins <laughs> uh, commercial which I watched at, on um, Christmas Eve mm-hmm. and really enjoyed mm. really enjoyed it mm. it holds up Mm. it does that's why it's there number 29 Near Dark haven't seen it okay number 28 Altered States haven't seen it number 27 Hellraiser Um, mainstream number 26 The Blair Witch Project Um, Versimilitudinous number 25 sticking with that yes that's a good one Uh, (laughs) Jacob's Ladder is at number 25 Creepy Number 24, Nosferatu. Haven't seen it? No, Number or maybe I have. Classic, it's classic. Even if It's I classic. Haven't seen it. Number 23, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, seminal. Number 22, The Wicker Man. Um, terrifying. Number 21, Carrie. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Number 20, Maybe I should Sci- watch it again. Okay. Silence of the Lambs at number 20. Identifiable. Number 19, Audition. Extreme. Yeah. Number 18, Ring. Fresh. Yeah. Uh, number 17, Psycho. Um, genre defining. Is that what I said? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, I think you did. It is yeah, genre yeah. Defining. Uh, number 16, The Fly. A fun. Incidentally, I'd started watching The Fly the other day and I was struck by the fact that, A, Jeff Goldblum, his, you know, we were talking about his twitchy weird energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is full-on, yeah. full-frontal, twitchy weird energy. It's quite something. Yeah. But Gina Davis goes with him to his really run-down area where his, um like, warehouse laboratory is. Mm-hmm. And... It's not the best idea, really. You no. know, he, could, he could be anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, anyway. So did you see he, um, on, uh, on Twitter today, you know people on Twitter were doing like nine years ago today or ten years ago today or something. Yeah, He did, uh, so it's supposed to be like you as a teenager and then you now or something like that. Right. And he did him as like a completely transformed fly. <laughs> <laughs> as, his, as his young self. Excellent. And, and there's some recent shot of him in some kind of, I don't, I don't know, looking smart anyway. That's nice. And number fifteen, recent. Event Horizon, derivative. Number fourteen, an American. Boring. Number fourteen, an American werewolf in London. Uh, teenage fun. <laughs> At thirteen, The Sixth Sense. Um, lonely. Hmm. And number twelve, The Omen. Scary children. At number 11, Don't Look Now. Haven't seen it. Uh, number 10, The Haunting. Creaky. Number 9, Evil Dead 2. Uh, is he going to get this one? <laughs> oh, no, cause I can't remember the word. Groovy. Oh, yeah, I okay. can. Groovy, groovy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get that. What well, you got in there before? I know. Uh, number groovy. 8, Rosemary's Baby. Um, chilling. Number seven, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, not chilling. Paranoid, actually. Paranoid, paranoid. yeah. Paranoid, yeah. I um, haven't seen it. Uh, number six, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, it's just great. Yeah. Number five, Night of the Living Dead. Um, uh, I don't even know how to say something. It's just really, like, life-changing. Life-changing. Number four, The Thing. Uh don't think I've seen it. Okay. Uh, number three, The Shining. Uh definitely shouldn't be number three. Okay. Uh that leaves us with on to number two then. What's number two, Andy C? Uh number two is a nineteen seventy nine science fiction horror film. Okay. Is it alien? It is. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna miss it out. <laughs> It is Alien. Phew, okay, okay, good. I'm just having a drink, sorry. Right, I'm pretty sure I know what number one is too. I'm sure you do, uh, based on what else has come. But anyway, Alien, Mm. directed by Ridley Scott, uh, written by Dan O'Bannon, based on a story by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. It follows the crew of the commercial space tug Nostromo, who encounter the eponymous alien, a deadly and aggressive extraterrestrial set loose on the ship. And the film stars Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm and Jaffa Koto. How is Sigourney Weaver not in the first person in that list? Uh, I know because she wasn't a big star then. She, this was probably her second or third like supporting role. I know she's the last per- she's the last girl standing. she's the final girl. She's in alien. She's not in a supporting role. Come on. Oh she is a supporting role. She's not the captain. Um, she's not no, even she's, she's the protagonist. She is, but she's not the um, not the captain or the what is she? warrant officer. She's a warrant officer first class. She's the, the main the character. Australia. Yeah, she ends up being the main character. She starts off being the main character. It's all from her point of view. Um, It starts off being from the captain's point of view, but then he bites the dust. We're going to spoil this, by the way. Mind you, if you haven't seen this movie, what are you doing? Um, Well, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, do stop the podcast and go watch it, because it's amazing. We don't want to have any risk of spoiling it. But then after that, tune back in and listen to the rest so what I'm going on here is the, the cast list in the movie. Yeah, yeah I'm not criticising you, but I yeah. am deeply offended. Okay. Um, so she, I think, maybe her movie debut was in Annie Hall. Which is that, is um, what's his name? Woody Allen. Woody movie. Allen, yeah. She has a supporting role in Annie Hall. Right. As does Jeff Goldblum as well, I think, weirdly. Right. Um, there's a funny scene in Annie Hall where... Jeff Goldblum has a big uh a mirror with some white powder on it at a party and Woody doesn't... Allen says, "Oh, I love this stuff. I'm, you know, I'm trying to give it up." And then he sneezes on it and blows it all over the room. It's uh, it's very funny. Um uh so yeah, I'd say that although although her role is large, she doesn't get top billing. That's a disgrace. Yeah. Yep. It was produced by Gordon Carroll, David Guiler, and Walter, Walter Hill, through their company, Br- Company Brandywine Productions. They went on to produce, I think, all of the pre um, all of the pre Prometheus alien movies, <laughs> 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 and was distributed by Twentieth Century Fox. So, do you have any information about how it came to be made? You know, was it difficult to get made, or was it... I mean, was Ridley Scott well-known? And- Ridley Scott had made, I think, one movie before this movie, which was The Duelists, which was a period drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so, nothing, you know, nothing to do with sci-fi. And was this a blockbuster, or, you know, or quite a small thing, or...? Uh, this had a budget of nine to... Yes, it was. Nine to 11 million. So, uh, that's a lot, right? That's quite a lot for that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, had a box office of 104.9 to 203.6. Wow. Which is big. So, yeah, yeah it was Alien was huge. Right, right, right. It didn't... Inc- Nobody would seen anything like this before. Oh, it was so good. Um, so, in terms of genre, it is a science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what this this took the the aesthetic of um of star wars and then took it to the next level and what i'm talking about there is uh, there was a, a phrase coined uh, for star wars by the folks who were doing the set design and prop design and that that phrase is future used mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. instead of um white shiny Spacecraft and everybody dressed in white and nobody getting dirty ever, and everybody's hair being perfect all the time, which is definitely a feature of 1950s and 60s sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, because they live in the future. Exactly, and, and there's no dirt in the futures, mm-hmm. <laughs> ever. Um, the, the spacecraft and the crew of the Nostromo look like regular people. You know, they look like regular people. The the dialogue is very down to earth. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a great deal of dialogue about bonuses and Mm -hmm. the fact that the engineering crew, which is Yafek Koto and the brilliant Harry Dean Stanton, um, they spend most of their time complaining about the fact that they're not going to get paid. Um, uh, It feels very real. There's no kind of. Yeah. There's no. Mm Oh, there's no act sense of acting no I mean Harry Dean Stanton is like the most laid back um, minimalist actor that you could possibly find I mean this is a guy yeah. who's done loads of stuff with Vim Vendors lots of art house um, he was in a movie by Alex Cox called Repo Man which is one of my ah, favourite movies yeah. That's great. terrific film um, did we do Repo Man? no podcast? we should do Repo Man No, i tell you why Repo Man came up yeah um, Nightcrawler is Nightc- yeah because I said it was yeah. like it and you said I was right yeah it's it's of the same ilk um, and then you've got um, like British uh, like classical actors and you know British stalwarts like Ian Holm and John Hurt you know I'd say that I th- this is probably John Hurt's breakout performance in a movie um, who's, who does John Hurt play he plays Ash the guy who's the alien pops out of his chest <laughs> At dinner. ah right, yeah. 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 Uh, And Tom Skerritt, who was, I'd say, pretty well-known. He plays Captain Dallas, who, who, as I said, buys the farm reasonably early on (laughs) in the movie. Probably about halfway through, I think, which is quite a shock if you've seen it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you expect Dallas to be the last man standing, but he's not. Um, so, yeah, it was it was an, it definitely an interesting production. Uh, Dan O'Bannon thought of the idea. He'd already made a movie called Dark Star with director John Carpenter. So with John Carpenter's in this list. He mm-hmm. made The Thing. Um, so Dark Star is, kind of has a dotted line to Alien. It's a different kind of story, but it does feature an, an alien in Dark Star that's shaped like a beach ball with hands. <laughs> it's a bit more jokey, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, the original script uh, was, I think, called Star Beast. You know, it was much more pulpy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely... He says he didn't steal Alien from anybody. I stole it from everybody. <laughs> so he got inspiration from things like The Thing from Another World. Um From Forbidden Planet, I think there's definitely a a big influence on Alien. Don't think I've seen that. Um, So Forbidden Planet is a a movie from the mid-50s with Leslie Nielsen playing a lead role. Serious? Yes, a serious role. Uh, I am serious and don't call me (laughs) Shirley. And I just want to say good luck and we're all counting on you. you. (laughs) Um notable things about alien are the design of the alien and also the design of the alien craft. Mm-hmm. Uh by a Swiss artist, I think who's now died, called HR Geiger or mm mm-hmm. Who um uh who designed this kind of um biological horror that is the alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you're ever in any doubt about whether some parts of that design are, are modelled on human genitalia... They definitely are. You only have to check out H.R. Geiger's other work, which yes. makes it quite clear that he is quite keen on modelling his art after human genitalia. So. He definitely is, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a masterstroke move, because I think that if, if they hadn't used Geiger's design... The movie yeah. would not be as iconic as it is, and it would just be have, an ordinary film. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I mean, it is a man in a suit. It's a very tall, skinny man in a suit, right? But the design is such that it's something that nobody had ever seen before. Yeah, I mean, the aliens are utterly beautiful. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, so the so the plot, if if I do a a plot of it, is that the the commercial spacecraft Nostromo is uh, the crew are woken from their hypersleep early because their computer called Mother has received mm. what appears to be a distress call mm-hmm. and uh, in, in accordance with protocol has woken them up to go and investigate it by the way have you read the books uh, y- yes I have yeah. I can't remember they're, writ- they're written by a
1: well, some D, of them Alan Dean right. Foster well right? yeah.
0: all of them. by a known author yeah. yeah. And yeah. the the reason I interrupt you to ask you that is the the mention of hypersleep because in the books the sense that they've woken from that that sleep kind of trails through the whole book almost it mm. it it kind of changes their whole state of mind that they, they never quite wake up almost or something like that you know it's really the sleep part which is just a just the introductory scene in the film, but becomes mm. a key part of the, the story in a way in the books. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I felt, do, at least. There's definitely. Um, he does write in some interesting stuff into those books. Mm. Some, some, it, no, normally, yeah. the book of a film is really not worth reading, but I think no. it, in this case, it, it could be. He's a good writer, Alan D. Foster. He's written some good stuff. Right. As a sci fi sure. writer. I must um, have read some others, but I don't. I can't think of any. Uh, so he they get awoken. Um the um the technical crew are unhappy about this. They're saying, Well won't you know if we get diverted, do we get paid? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on? And in a bit of foreshadowing, Ripley says to them, You'll get whatever's coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> um which is um not good. Uh so they they land on this um what appears to be a lifeless quite hostile environment moon of a gas giant um, and they uh so who walks across so Captain Ash played by John Hurt and Lambert played by Veronica Cartwright they walk to the coordinates where this distress signal is coming from mm-hmm. and as they're on their way there Ripley played by Sigourney Weaver, contacts Ash, who is the science officer, to say, we might have a problem because Mother thinks that that distress call may be a warning, not a distress call. Mm -hmm. And Ash says, well, if it's a warning, uh, well, no, she says, I want to go out after them. And he says, what's the point? You know, if it's a warning, then they've already found out about it. Right? So, you know. We later find out that Ash is not all that he seems. In fact, he's not even human. He's an android who appears to be working on company orders to retrieve the alien and bring it back to Earth. Uh, That's the theme that will recur many times during this series. Yeah, the company is not to be trusted. Not to be trusted, and also androids are to be viewed with suspicion. Uh, but we'll talk about sequels in a mm. moment. But um, Yeah, the android theme is always flipping and reflipping, isn't it? Yes. Um, so uh, when the three uh, crew members get to this ship, which is like nothing you've ever seen before, they go inside and Ash um, goes into the belly of the ship and he found, finds thousands of what looks like eggs. Uh, he touches one; it opens up, and a creature flies out of it and attaches. It burns through his visor, and attaches itself to his face. Um, the next thing we see is the three of them walking back to the Nostromo, with Ash on a stretcher. Uh, and Ripley won't let them in. She says that to let 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 them in would contravene quarantine. 'Cause they don't know what's attached to him. Yeah, and this is a classic example of the eventual survivor being the only person who's makes sane decisions throughout Yeah, the whole. she makes all the sane decisions. Um she gets overridden by um I think I've maybe got some names wrong here. Yeah, I think he called him Ash the, the android, uh, yeah, and he's not he's called Ash, right? He's, called he's Ash. not. Ash is Ash is the android. Um Oh is Ash the android? No, hang on, no, uh, oh, oh, crikey! I should know this. I've seen it <laughs> so many times. I'm trying to think yeah. now. Names are not my thing, so uh, I'll do a bit of looking things up on the internet while you carry on. Oh, this is t- Kane. Kane is the guy who discovers the android. Um, the 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 eggs. Right, 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 right. Ash is the android, played by Ian Holm. So, um, so Ripley is arguing with the captain. And with Lambert, they're saying, come on, let us in, we need to get him sorted out. And she's saying, no, I can't let you in. Mm -hmm. But she's clearly in a tight spot because she can't not let them in forever. And then Mm -hmm. Ash opens the airlock um, and lets them in. Mm -hmm. That's That's something that comes up later in the movie. That's Uh, for good reason. Yeah, he's got reasons for that. He's got reasons for that. She... calls him out on that later in the film, and he says, well, what else was I supposed to do? We had to get him inside. Um, but, you know, he's, he has ulterior motives. Hmm. Really, he wants to get a sample back yes. to the company. Exactly, so they, they, they get Kane back inside, they get him into the medical bay, they get his helmet off, and they see this thing that looks like a, a, a spider crab that is attached to his face. It is an incredible piece of creature effects. Oh, it's really it's really really, really yeah. creepy and disgusting. And as they start to try and remove it from his face, it wraps its tail around his neck like it's going to strangle him. So they're not really sure what to do, you know, because they know that if they try and they can see that if they try and remove it, it's probably going to kill him. So Ash decides to try and cut one of the fingers, at which point what looks like molecular acid sprays out onto the floor and burns a hole through the floor and through another three decks, I think, before it finally stops. Yeah, they sort of chase it down, watching it burn through the floor. That's a great Very scene. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they realise they can't cut it off because they'll depressurize the hull if they do that. They can't drag it off his face, so they have to leave it um so life carries him alive yes right because he would have suffocated yes but- they ascertain that it is feeding him oxygen um and keeping him alive and it's put something down his throat as well but they're not sure what is going on um then later it falls off they go looking for it it appears to be dead and he's fine Kane wakes up and says what's going on I have I have this what does he say I have this Terrible dream of smothering. And then that was it. Um, They then go for dinner before they go back to hypersleep, thinking that everything's fine. He starts convulsing and uh, a thing bursts out of his chest. And there's a myth about this scene, right? Okay, what's the myth? The myth that I heard about this scene is that the actors didn't know it was going to happen when they filmed it. Okay, that is a myth um but it's partly a myth so of course they of course they did know what was going to happen because it takes hours to set up an effects shot like this mm-hmm. um but what they didn't know was that there was going to be a great deal of blood splattering on people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the shot where lambert gets sprayed with blood is a genuine reaction shot mm. Um, and Ridley Scott had several cameras running at the same time to capture those reaction shots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they knew that there was something coming, but they weren't prepared for for what you know. There was going to be blood spraying everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a creature pops out of his chest. Yeah, that, that scene is amazing, and then it's followed it's by incredible. probably the worst special effect. Oh, it's terrible. The, the little creature runs away. Yeah. Across Um, the table, yeah. It's a bit like Gremlins or something. It is a bit cheap, yeah. Um, But it's at that point that Ash once again protects the creature. Because um, Parker, who's played by Yafit Koto, he grabs like a fork or a knife and he's about to kill it. And Ash says, no, don't touch it, don't touch it. Mm -hmm. Um, So once again, he's protecting it. It then disappears. And um, they have to go looking for it. I'm going into too much detail here actually, but I just love this film so much that I'm <laughs> going through the plot. So anyway, they go looking for it. Um, and the first person to buy the farm is Brett, pre- played by Harry Dean Stanton, who, who, uh, who is actually, they're looking for the cat, Jones the cat, uh, mm. because he's led them on a wild goose chase. They thought he was the alien, but he's not. He's just Jones the cat. There's a fantastic scene when uh, Brett goes into, like, the caverns of the ship and there's water. It's very reminiscent of Blade Runner, actually. There's, like, water coming down from the ceiling and there's clanking chains and he's, he's, he's found the cat. The cat looks like it's kind of come out so he can pick it up and then the cat mm-hmm. looks at something over his shoulder and <laughs> retreats back into the corner. <laughs> And Brett sees this and he looks around and there's the alien and it's grown like massively in the time, you know, it's um I don't, I don't quite know how it grows so quickly, but that's a feature of of mm. these movies. That it grows very fast. Mm. And it kills him. And that's where we see it's got um it's got two sets of jaws. Yeah. And it takes its time about it, right? Oh yeah. It it contemplates the kill for a while. It takes its time because it's so scary that you're paralyzed with fear. Yeah. You can't run away. (laughs) So it knows it can take its time. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's the first one to buy the farm. The next is uh, Tom Skerritt's captain, uh, who once again falls foul of Ash's skullduggery when he goes into the ventilation system to try and flush it out, and his motion tracker that's been designed by Ash starts to malfunction. I'm doing quotes there, malfunction. It doesn't really <laughs> malfunction. It just hasn't been designed very well. Uh, or it's been designed specifically to break at a, at a point. So um, Captain Dallas, the only thing they find... Of him is the uh, flamethrower that he was had with him at the time. His body is, has disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then make the decision um, to evacuate the ship, even though the lifeboat will only take, I think, two or three. Uh, and there's more of them, but they make the decision to leave. And it's at this point that Ripley, who is now captain, because... Ash and Dallas are dead, so she is the next in command. She goes to Mother and she sees the executive order that was given to Ash, which is to retrieve the life form. Um, all other priorities rescinded. So the crew are expendable, effectively. And Ash, at that point, goes completely bananas um, and tries to kill her. She yeah, saved. Is, is that when he locks her in the room with the alien? Uh, I don't think he oh, ever actually, does No, that. hang on. Is that mm. in Aliens? That might be alien. That's in Aliens. Yeah. Okay, I apologise. Yeah, that's another um company employee. I <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, no, Only he's a human. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so he goes bananas. He tries to kill. He tries to kill her. Uh, he's saved. She's saved by Parker, who comes in and smacks Ash round the head and uh then realize that Ash is not human, he is an android. They so they manage to kill him, in quotes, by sort of I think they use a like a cattle prod to to short circuit him. Mm-hmm. Um but then of course they, they do actually need to get some information out of him so they they reactivate him and ask him how they can kill the alien and he says you can't which is of course not true but mm-hmm. i suppose i suppose in the context of where they are in a spacecraft they really can't kill it mm-hmm. um it's because it's pretty it, unlikely yeah it's pretty unlikely um he then proceeds to say what does he say he says it's a perfect organism it's unclouded by thoughts of morality uh and then he signs off by saying, I can't tell you what your chances are, but you have my sympathies. <laughs> and then- and there's already a hint maybe there that maybe this was an artificially created organism in some Yes, 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 indeed. Uh, so yes, Ash gets, I think Parker burns Ash up with a flamethrower. And they then make the decision they are gonna take the lifeboat so they're busy they're busy um gathering equipment and food and supplies for a lifeboat when the alien manages to kill both Parker and Lambert in the same area which is a really nasty scene. You don't see very much. You hear most of it over the intercom. So Parker played by Yafet Koto. Yes. Koto. Yeah. And Lambert played by Veronica Cartwright. Correct. Yeah uh there's you hear it over the most of it over the intercom with parker yelling get out of the way i need a clean shot and she's just screaming um which you would to be quite honest just scream um so they both they both get killed ripley realizes that jones is still on the ship and of course because she's a conscientious crew member she has to (laughs) find him and and put him back in his box well she's got no one left, right? So. No. No. Um uh so she she goes to find Jones, she encounters the alien briefly in a corridor. At this point, there's strobe lights flashing everywhere. There's yellow spinning lights. There's the there's the um computer voice saying you now have 15 minutes to reach minimum safe distance. And, you know, <laughs> this noise going on in the background is fantastic. And you, I love Mother. And Mother is brilliant in yeah. this film. Really great. Mother, who, hang on, is played by Helen Horton. Oh, that's interesting. That's is cool. that someone you've heard of? No, it's not, but that is cool. Okay. Um,. Oh yes, yeah, it, it, it's the, this is the um the weird prospect of me having the IMDB page open during the podcast. That's cool. That's very cool. Um so yeah, long story short, Ripley sets the ship for self-destruct. She makes it onto the lifeboat and she escapes. But the uh the Beastie has made it onto the lifeboat. And there ensues a nail-biting scene in which she um. has to get into a spacesuit and evacuate the air, all the while singing a song from I think it's the uh, a movie called A Star Is Born. Not the most recent one, obviously, but the, there's been several versions of this. But the version with James Mason and Judy Garland, uh, she sings a song called "You Are My Lucky Star." And this is the song that Ripley is just repeating the chorus from over and over, like you would if you were an extremist. <laughs> you are my lucky star. <laughs> I, uh, like this, over and over again, as she's getting into the, um, the space suit. That is just so intense, such an intense. See, all the while, obviously, there's flashing strobe lights and um, things to make you feel unsettled. Oh, it's so scary. It's so perfect. Yeah, it's incredible. The alien then manages to make its way all the way around to where she is, and she hits a button to uh, open the airlock doors. It flies out. It manages to grab hold of the doors like it's going to pull itself back in again. She shoots it with a harpoon. Which I presume is used for like mending holes in a spacecraft. It's not used for shooting aliens with. Right? I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> it ain't, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's outside. It tries to get into the engine, then she kills it, presumably by putting the engines on. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a nice little sign-off at the end, where she says that um, she's the last survivor of the Nostromo. That's that's Alien. It's an incredible. Incredible film. So let's talk about some things. Here's one thing. Mm. Um, um, Female leading role. Yes. Um, Really, I mean, a sort of tough female. I don't know whether people would accuse that of being, like, just using a woman in a role that would traditionally be a man's role or not, but I utterly love it. I don't think so, because she goes back for the cat. Mm-hmm. I think if it was a man, he'd be like, "No, sod the cat." <laughs> Maybe, but the 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 other th- the th- my comment about that is, I wonder whether, and we've talked about this slightly before in the series. Yeah, I wonder whether because it's a horror film and because there's this tradition of the last girl, mm. the final girl, is that what it's called? Final girl. The final girl. Yeah. Um, that 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 was a way of of having a really brilliant role for a woman. Um, in films where otherwise you wouldn't have been able to, but because it's horror and it's tradition that the the survivor is female, you get to have this great role for a woman, I don't know. Yes, I think there is that. I think there is also, you know, maybe not related to that so much, but the fact that, as you said earlier on, Ripley is pretty much the only member of the crew who makes good decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's she's thinking one step ahead of everybody else in terms of the long game. Yeah, she figures out what's going on, and yeah, stuff, yeah. she doesn't want to let them back in when she when they say that there's something attached to Cain, which is the right thing to do. She doesn't trust Ash. Um, she when she you know when Mother says that maybe it's a warning, she says we need to go out there and it's only the fact that Ash is you know the science officer that she kind of or maybe because he's a man that she just says oh okay fine Um, so there's there's some interesting gender politics in this movie I think that the Captain Dallas uh, you know she I think she respects Captain Dallas a lot she respects Hmm. his opinion yeah she likes him I think I think they have a mutual respect you know they they have in keeping with everybody except for Ash, in fact, that's addressed in the script, is that when Ripley says she doesn't trust Ash, Dallas says, look, um, Ash replaced our our normal science officer two days before we left. What am I going to do? And she says, I don't trust him. And Dallas says, well, I don't trust anybody. And he kind of just, he dismisses, Mm -hmm. dismisses her concerns. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but she's still worried about it, you know. She doesn't trust him. It's hard for me not to talk about this film in the context of where her character has got to at the beginning of the next film. Okay, so let's so but, we talk about But that Well, hang on, we've got a few yeah. things to talk about. Yeah. So I want to talk about one thing, and then I want to ask you like why it deserves to be in the list, and then yes. we should probably talk about sequels. Okay. So I want to start off with the thing that I've just found, which which I found by browsing through IMDb while we were talking. Okay. And that You, you mentioned the bloke who played... Uh, the alien. Yes. So, I found uh, his profile on IMDb. He was called Bolahi Badeko He's He yes. was Ni- Nigerian, mm-hmm. and it appears that this was the only film he was in, and he died age thirty nine in Nigeria. Oh wow! So, it 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 sounds very much to me like um, he he got he was in this one film and then essentially you know didn't profit from that film okay. and. That's a great shame, um, isn't went, it? Went back home and died very young. So I don't he, know what the yeah. story is behind that, but it doesn't sound like a good story. No, it doesn't. He was six foot ten, um, seven foot inside the costume. That is massive. Mm-hmm. That's very there's pic- imposing. There's a picture of him on IMDb looking totally cool inside a nice. of an alien costume. Yeah, <laughs> that's worth looking up, listener. So a couple of other folks played the alien as well. So stuntmen Eddie Powell and Roy Scammell also portray the alien in some scenes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, presumably action scenes. Um, but yeah, Balaji Badejo, thank you. Died nineteen ninety two, age thirty nine. Wow, that's really sad. Really sad because you know, I can't imagine it being as effective if if he wasn't in that suit. Yeah, he brings a lot. He brings a lot to it because it, it's hard to act through a suit. Iconic role. Why have we not heard his name? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What was your next question? Why does it deserve? Oh, to yeah. Be on so the list? yeah. Why does it deserve to be on the list? Come on. I mean, it's just a. It's alien. <laughs> you could I can't say. Can't even try. <laughs> you could say it's a haunted house movie in space. In fact, it is. It is a it is a haunted house monster movie in space. What do you mean by that? What are the elements that make it that? Uh, Well, you've got a group of people who get picked off one by one. Mm -hmm, So we can mm -hmm. tick a box there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that's like a a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, we've got a creature that is an alien, but it's kind of supernatural in the way that it moves around the ship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Seems to come and go pretty much as it pleases. Um, It's utterly terrifying. Uh Almost like a ghost type of thing. Uh Um, You've got The Final Girl. Uh Uh, You've got Untrustworthy Scientist, (laughs) which is a feature of horror movies, I think. Right, is it? Okay. I think so, yeah. Untrustworthy Scientist who's who's usually the cause of the trouble, either by opening a portal to some kind of alternate (laughs) dimension. Uh Event Horizon is an example of that. Uh, or in this case, Ash, who is basically the cause of all the trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, you've got uh, you've also got um, the company yes. in quotes. Uh, in which case, uh, in this case, the Wayland Utani Company, mm-hmm. whom these people work for, but they uh, this company does not have their best interests at heart. Shall we put mm. it, and it to put it, it mildly? It seems clear that the. The world is run by one or two or several large companies, and governments aren't really involved anymore, or something. You know, it's yes, that's the way I understand it. Anyway, yeah, I think that's I think that's correct. That's a correct understanding, Um, which is you know not that dissimilar to real life. We're getting there. We are getting there. Yes, we're getting to yeah, we're getting to an OCP type situation. What's OCP? Uh, OCP is the company in RoboCop. Yeah, have you read the books uh, Red Mars, Blue Mars, and Green Mars? Kim Stanley Robinson is that? Right? Yeah, I have not, but I've heard of them. So they um, they feature uh, companies that run everything, mm. and then they feature that whole system collapsing and a much better system than we have now being brought in. It's very optimistic and fun. Are they good books? Are they worth a read? They are, mm. yes. They are really good and they contain really interesting ideas. Mm. They also contain long sections where he appears to be just proving that he's done enough research. Okay. So he's he's read and read about the science that could make this stuff possible and he wants to make sure you know exactly how much he's read and how plausible it is. I and mean, Sometimes it does go on a bit and you think, OK, Kim Stanley Robinson, let's move on to some... So it's probably not as uh, as compelling or as fun as *The Martian*, for example. It's much slower, yeah, but yeah. it's it it's so ambitious. It's hard to even express okay. how ambitious that series is. So if you like, like thinking about um, a how would the science would work, but b what would happen to society over long periods of time, um, it it's it's a huge, hugely ambitious. Piece of work. Mm. The, the whole trilogy. So yeah, I would say read. Okay, it. all right. That's a good. That's a. That's a good recommendation, listener. If you haven't already read them, or I wonder if there are, there must be audio books of those. They've been around for quite a long time. Uh, I would think so, but they they are long. Okay. So the audio books will be also long. long. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, just as a little footnote here, as i was talking about you know it's it's basically a haunted house movie, that type of thing in space. Ridley Scott described it as the Texas chainsaw massacre of science fiction, okay okay, uh, which i don 't think is entirely correct, but it is in the right ballpark, okay yeah um, cool, so that was yeah. um that was like why does it deserve to be there yes, so then the next the next point we were going to talk about was um The sequels and the whole universe that it's all in and stuff. Yeah, so the sequels, um, it took a while for a sequel. 1986, I think, or 87. Uh, I'm going to have to look it up, actually. Aliens. So, yeah, James Cameron, um, who'd had a hit with The Terminator, um, which made him very bankable, because The Terminator was fairly modestly budgeted. Right. And he managed, you know, he, he approached. Oh, Terminator 1. Okay. Terminator 1, yeah. He approached Fox and on a, um, like a flip board, he put alien and he put an S at the end and said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> 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 and you can imagine James Cameron doing that, you know, just walking into a room and owning it. Um, and they agreed, you know, they said, yeah, okay. Let's, let's see the script. So Cameron wrote the script as well. Mm-hmm. When did it come out? Am I right? 86, yes. July 86. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Aliens is, is one of the few films that's up there with being um, a contending against Alien as one of my favourite films. It's a very different movie. Mm-hmm. A very different movie. So I didn't... Although it is billed as another science fiction horror, I didn't include it on this list. Um, maybe we should talk about that in the wash-up, actually.
1: Okay. About why I didn't include it. But anyway, yes, Aliens including
0: Including both might have been a bit too much. I think so, So yes. It's less of a horror film. That's partly the reason. So Aliens is a very fine film, indeed. Mm. Uh, And then in 1992, Fox released Alien 3, which is... A huge, dis- a huge disappointment. Um, notable, I think, for being the feature film debut of David Fincher, who, who we have talked about in this podcast several times. Um, mm. Well, not several so times in gone, terms of movies, but one movie gone we Girl. had talked about was Gone Girl. Is Gone Girl the first film we did? Yes. Yeah. There you go. That was our. First that's why movie. I remember it more clearly than some of the others. Yeah. Uh, so, Alien 3 went through a very troubled pro- production, um, publicly troubled. So, several filmmakers came and went, notably Rennie Harlin. Um, Danny Boyle was in line to direct at one hmm. point. Arnold Schwarzenegger was apparently in the frame to be in it, which personally I would have been you know, up for. I wouldn't. That sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, well, could it have been worse than the finished product? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, It could have been more memorable. I think with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it would have been more memorable. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. Hey, alien, take this. (laughs) 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 I don't know, you're bringing me around. There you go, you see? Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. So yes, very troubled. It uh, It's credited to several screenwriters. The story is, is by Vincent Ward. Now Vincent Ward's a New Zealand filmmaker who, he came up with the idea of Ripley um, landing on a wooden planetoid that is populated by space monks who wooden. worship the alien as like a god or a prophet um it's utterly nuts it's i mean the budget would have been just ridiculous for what he wanted to do uh, where does a wooden planet i don't come know from? i just don't know i mean uh, the thing is that the fox even entertained doing this <laughs> just shows that they didn't really have a clue what they wanted to do with alien 3 they didn't know what they wanted to do with it really mm-hmm. um Uh, But that didn't end up getting made. Vincent Walt got fired and they went to David Fincher who had made a bunch of commercials but never made a movie. Uh, He had a terrible time on the film because they had a compressed time frame to make it. He has publicly disowned the movie (laughs) and said he doesn't want anything to do with it. And even to this day, there's no director's commentary on the Blu-ray or the DVD. Really? There is a work print... So there's the original theatrical cut which is a mess um, and a lot of it doesn't make any sense. Uh, there's a work print which is where they have restored footage to mm-hmm. the work print but there's but there's no Foley track. So um, does listener know what Foley is? No. Okay. So Foley is when you uh, you know when you shoot a movie um, for like a sci-fi movie there's a lot of audio going on for, like, doors opening and closing and um, mm-hmm, maybe dialogue mm-hmm. that needs to be replaced. In fact, that happens on regular films as well. Um, but that, there's no Foley track on the work print, so it's, the mm-hmm, audio mm-hmm. is rubbish. Uh, and that's because Fincher don't, didn't want anything to do with it, so they you know, right. just kind of cobbled something together. Um, mm. The movie's a mess, basically. Uh, yeah, and I don't in, remember much about it. In 1997... Came what what we would think would be the final insult, <laughs> which is uh, a movie directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet, who is like a French auteur director. A movie called Alien Resurrection. What does on what does auteur mean? Uh, it means you're like the author of a film. You know, you're you're the one person who is responsible for it. Okay, okay. Kind of thing. I mean, you know, I think it, it's kind of a pretentious thing because you can't have one person in charge of a film. A film gets made uh-huh. by hundreds of people who are uh-huh. responsible for their particular roles. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think that you can, you can sometimes look at a film and say, like, David Lynch, you were considered to be an auteur uh-huh. because his films always have a very particular tone to them uh-huh. kind of thing. Um, so, yes, the Joss Whedon scripted, early in Resurrection. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, th- that accounts I'm for a the... follower of his work. That accounts for the fact that it is basically Buffy in space. <laughs> um, you know, it's got that kind of jokey knockabout tone to it, which is utterly out of keeping with the rest of the series, which is very serious. That, um, that um, maybe explains why I, I quite liked... Some aspects of it. Some aspects of it are good. I think the supporting cast in Early in Resurrection is good. I liked what they did with the Ripley character. Yeah. And I, I hated, hated, hated the ending. No, the ending with the newborn. Which just pathetic and rubbish. Yes, terrible. Terrible. I think that there's some interesting ideas in Early in Resurrection*. Resurrection. Um, but, again, the movie's a bit of a mess. Uh, mm-hmm. That was... It until there were two spin-offs not featuring Ripley mm. the two Alien vs. Predator movies which are mm, really mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll just we'll gloss over them uh-huh. until twenty eleven when oh. Ridley Scott returns to make Prometheus. Oh. <laughs> which I quite like. Whoa. I liked it at the time, and I still quite like it now, even though, so even though again, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a mess of a film. Twenty twelve. So bored. What was uh... twenty twelve? Prometheus, which also introduces a an un um, a troublesome android in the shape of Michael Fassbender's David. Mm-hmm. There's always an android. There's always an android. Uh, There's an android in yeah. Resurrection as well. It's played by a famous person. Winona Ryder? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. so there was a sequel to Prometheus in 2016, which was... No, 2017, uh, which was um, Alien Covenant, which, again, okay. I, quite, I, I really quite liked Alien Covenant. I think that it's uh, solid. I don't think I've seen it, and... I don't know if uh, sadly to be all right but oh, I think that sadly, Prometheus though, made me so sad and annoyed because Covenant didn't make that much money at the box office I think that the uh, it had a big budget so had, uh, Covenant had a budget of 111 million
1: mm-hmm.
0: and took 240 so I mean that's not bad but it's not that much for a budget of 111 well, that's a profit yeah it's a profit um I'm sad because after Prometheus uh, director Neil Blomkamp um, it looked like he was going to be making a sequel to Aliens with uh, Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver and Michael Bean. Mm-hmm. Uh that didn't happen because Alien Covenant happened right. and it now looks like that will never happen which is a great shame because I think that if they could have just sort of Sidestepped the events of Alien Three and said that it was all a dream. Mm-hmm. They could have made a really compelling movie with uh, Sigourney Weaver as a as a much older Ripley who is mm. awoken. You know, probably been in hypersleep for a long time, or you know, they they would have made something really interesting out of that. Maybe they'll just reboot the series. I'd be up for a reboot. Um, although I think that the Alien is no longer as terrifying as it was because obviously yeah. we've seen it so many times now. Yeah, and it's been watered down by things like Alien vs. Predator. And also Spaceballs as well. What Spaceballs? Uh, it was a Mel Brooks movie in which right. John Hurt reprises his role as <laughs> Ash and does a jokey chess scene. Oh dear. So, you know, it's, I think the, the alien and the chess and the facehugger have kind of passed into uh, pop culture and parody. Mm-hmm. You could do it though. If you did it if you did it with just total seriousness, you could you could reboot it, it'd be great. Yeah, no, I think it, Or it, it, you could just yeah. watch the original. Or you could just watch great. the original, yeah. Um so, yeah. I'd kind of like to see more though. I'd like to have had that sequel to Aliens, that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing, yeah. It really would have been amazing. Or, I, yeah, I could have been amazing, I guess. Weirdly, I would have liked to have seen Vincent Ward's Alien Three. Right. I think it would have been barking mad, but interesting. Is that, that's the wood, the wooden. The wooden planet. The wooden one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? Exactly. He's nuts, isn't it? But it would have been more interesting than, than the finished product. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Most things would. Yeah, most things would. Um, so yeah, Alien. A film Such that I didn't see a when great it came film. out. I didn't see it when I came out because, because I was too young. Hmm. But I remember my uncle just going on and on and on about it, saying how fantastic it was. Yeah, listen, you don't have to watch it at the cinema. Watch it on on a normal-sized TV. Just turn all the lights off. Yep. Turn up the sound. Just enjoy. Turn up the sound, turn the lights off, and be thoroughly scared you're better off actually not at the cinema because you watch it at the cinema there's going to be a load of people there who know everything that's going to happen and blah 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 blah. there is something else actually something very important to talk about with Alien Mm -hmm. that is the production design is Mm -hmm. beautiful yes in keeping with Ridley Scott being a visual artist Mm -hmm. I'd Mm -hmm. say a visual artist first before a a film director uh, in terms of you know his training um production design is fantastic, but also the cinematography is stunning. So I think of probably all of the films on this list is visually sumptuous. So even when it's grim and disturbing, it's still visually sumptuous. It looks so good. It looks beautiful. Um, They could just reshoot the scene where the alien runs off the table. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. (laughs) Uh, But like like the scene I was talking about where, where... Brett goes into the cu- the bowels of the ship. And looks up, and there's water, dripping down from the ceiling, and the chains are clanking, and mm. it's just incredible. The design is, unlike anything you would imagine would be inside a massive spacecraft. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so we're probably yeah. done. Shall, shall I tell you what something I watched over the Christmas period? Please do. Yes, I watched Rogue One. Ah. Oh. I really enjoyed Rogue One. Yeah. I thought it was it's good. A good, it? a good Star Wars film. Mm. I thought the last 2 seconds were almost bad enough to ruin the whole thing. Oh, that's but, terrible. Yes. But but not. But um so I really enjoyed it, but just please don't do that. Uh, also, CGI Peter Cushing not good. Oh, I thought that was fine. I I I was thinking, "Oh, how did they get Peter Cushing to do it?" <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, actually, I wasn't paying that much attention. Maybe I didn't like it that much, but I thought what I love about Ro- well, there's a lot to love about Rogue One. I think they get all the detail absolutely spot on. Just feels like it's always existed in yes, the Star Wars universe. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that the final forty-five to fifty minutes is the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that when the fleet arrive at Scarif the the nice planet that looks like the Seychelles that mm-hmm. is the Seychelles um, <laughs> uh, they use cut footage from A New Hope of, ah. of the um, of the pilots you know the, the rogue pilots calling, doing their call signs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that is ah. just such a great such a great moment oh that's cool because I, did, I didn't know about that when I went to see it at the cinema and uh, it was just like oh my god look at that so they're they're alternate takes from A New Hope so they look different (laughs) that's cool yeah really cool Um, I love I love Vader when he goes full on um, berserk and kills all those people it's just fantastic yeah that's a really good yeah that's a really good scene it just feels like it was it just feels it fits in perfectly and you can't believe it hasn't always existed yeah it's great it's really great. I spoke to someone the other day who's a Star Wars fan who said it's considered rubbish and people don't like it. That is not true. Some people don't like it. I think it has divided opinion rather than being. Yeah, universal. maybe. Yeah. yeah, in the same way that The Last Jedi has divided opinion. I have no idea what to think about, any, what, what I'm supposed to think about these things. So I go into them quite cold. So I, I had no preconception. It was quite useful. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've heard that Last Jedi is supposed to be hated, but I'm, I because I'm not that invested in Star Wars, I can just watch them and see if I like them. I've seen The Last Jedi like four times now and um, Oh really? I love it. I think it's I think that's oh, cool. It is long. Mm-hmm Um but it takes some big chances Uh and it has some absolutely standout moments. Um hmm. But, oh, cool. you know... I look forward to it. Actually, I was listening to the, I was listening to the Adam Buxton podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking to Simon Pegg about Star Wars and Star Trek. And just saying that you've got this peculiar situation where you've got all these really hardcore, like, really right-wing people attacking The Last Jedi in a really toxic way. Um all right. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, just a really hateful, kind of misogynistic way that they attacked it. Hmm. Um, that's just not on, really. Oh well I'll probably like it then. I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah. It's exciting. One of my favourite things about the um what's it called? The the first Disney Star Wars? Uh the um The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite things was the was that the one with the, the strong female character who's the admiral in the fleet and as well as the uh, Ray character? Uh, well, no. I really um, enjoyed um, No, that's, Was that the second one? That's The Last Jedi, the admiral. She's yeah. only in it a bit and then she dies. Uh, hmm. Maybe I've seen it. Maybe I've seen it and I'm confused. I don't know. I think Can maybe you have. If it's the one I've seen, I quite liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you are thinking of the Last Jedi, the strong female character played by Laura Dern. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We've done Alien. Yeah, that's number two. We've wandered off. Apologies, listener, but I mean you probably like it. There was a lot of waffling there. That's number two. Next time, number one. Potentially a chance to join us live. Yes. On Monday, the twenty-eighth of January at twenty hundred UTC. To be not surprised about what is number one. Yeah, well, I I look forward to uh, finding out what number one is. Yes. Why Uh, don't you do some plugging? I would do, but I don't have anything to plug these days. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, I do. I do. I've got a podcast feed, um, which is called Andy's Movie Mashup, or Uh Movie Mashup on your podcasting app of choice. Um, I used to present a radio show. I'm getting through all of the... um, uh, Podcast for that, so I'm doing highlights of each show up to the time when it finished, which was the end of the year last year. Uh, but I'm still posting stuff to it. Um, I'm I actually caught up with Star Trek Discovery on um, Netflix recently, so I'm going to be talking about that, hmm. and also the latest series of Stranger Things. This is stuff that's been around for a while, but I'm just catching up with because you That'd know I'd be quite interested to hear. That. I've been watching a lot of movies, so. Catching up with Mm. TV is a good thing. Mm. Um, So, yeah. So subscribe to that. Also, please like and subscribe this podcast. Rate it. Tell your friends, Mm. etc. Send us feedback. Join the chat room live. All of that. Uh, Why don't you do some plugging? Because you actually have something to plug. So, yesterday, I was sort of accidentally on a podcast called CPP Chat. CPP Chat. CPP chat <laughs> uh, which is a like a programming very casual programming related uh, podcast, but we were on to discuss Fran bontempo's new book about machine learning, so uh, if that sounds at all interesting, have a look at the latest episode of CPP chat, which should be out around about the same time this podcast out I think, or it's on youtube now the like the kind of unedited version it is on youtube now, yes um and then I um, the other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, a week on Wednesday, so that will be what uh, the twenty uh, third twenty third of January evening. I'm speaking at a Python meetup in London about um, Python async stuff. So the cool new stuff in Python. So if you're into programming in Python, um, uh, there is only like three spaces left, I think. But sign up for the uh, uh, the. London Python meetup Nice um, And you can hear me speak about Some stuff to a load of people who know loads about Python When I don't know that much about Python So it very know, exciting you do for know, me You do know a lot about Python Not maybe half as much as these people But anyway, <laughs> <No>. hopefully <laughs> I mean I learned a little bit about this small area So maybe, maybe it'll be useful to someone I don't know Well yes, I'm sure it will be Yeah. Anyway, hopefully that'll be good Indeed, indeed Well, thank you for listening, listener. Yeah, sorry that it went on so long. (laughs) We shouldn't apologise for that. People like it. This is why people listen, though. They want, you know... People like to spend time with you. um, And they like to fill up their time with your voice. So here you are, listener. Here's a lot of your time filled up with our voice. Yes. We hope you've enjoyed it. Next time (laughs) is number one. Presumably next time we're going to be on for two hours or something. Well, I should think so. I've i I could talk for a long time about number one. Yeah, let's not be on for two hours next time. No, well yeah, we've been expanding. I think we got a bit too casual, or maybe just the right amount casual. I think that, you know, I think that the top billed movies in this list deserve time. So, yeah, you know. but do they deserve time with us gossiping about other films and TV that we've recently watched? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Cool. it was a lot of fun talking yeah. about alien thank you very much see you next time yeah. bye